I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello everyone and a warm welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Hope you and everyone belonging to you is keeping well. Gavin Casey here and we're on the rundown to the big one. If you told me eight months ago that Ireland would be going to Paris at the end of October with the Six Nations on the line, I'd probably have checked my pulse or rang the guards. But here we are and uh, listen, Razzy Rasmus can call us softies all we want, all he wants rather. But joining me to discuss this match are two men who never go away. It's Murray Kinsel of the 42.e. How are you, Murray? I'm good, Gav. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. And Bernard Jackman as well. Bernard, how are you? Great, thank you. Lovely. We're going to be looking ahead naturally to Paris, looking back on Italy as well as we do so. And hopefully towards the end, we will give a brief enough synopsis of what happened in the Pro 14 over the weekend. The one week where I would love nothing more to talk about Munster for 45 to 60 minutes. And <laughs> it just so happens that there's international rugby happening as well and pretty important international rugby at that. Murray, uh, before we look back on Italy and look ahead to Paris, what's the story with yourself getting to Paris? Obviously, it's really unfortunate that the, that the women's game has been cancelled. Obviously, the team has, uh, the women's team have secured the kind of three home wins that they would have been targeting ahead of this championship but it's it's just gutting really that they don't get a, a crack at France will you get a crack at Paris yourself or what's the latest there? No it's not looking like I'm going to be heading over at this stage um, was hoping to get over and, and indeed they're taking accreditation requests um, but obviously France last night went into a, a national lockdown so the situation over there is really serious um, and there's not going to be travelling media so we decided to, to pull the plug on that dream it, it would have been obviously a bit weird being over there but Obviously, given the potential circumstances and, and what Ireland could potentially achieve, it would have been great to, to be there and covering it. And um, it would have been obviously very different. So, no, it'll be off the TV, which is a bit of a challenge, but obviously not the worst thing in, in the times uh, we're living in at the moment. For the Ireland women, it is really disappointing, isn't it? Um, an encouraging performance again last weekend against Italy, some brilliant defensive work and, and a couple of signs of what they can do in attack. Um, and now it's just a really uncertain period because that December World Cup qualifier still isn't set in stone. We have some dates, but we don't know who's exactly going to be in it. The last uh, team to qualify in hasn't been confirmed. Um, and so it's really an uncertain time for Ireland women. So it must be tough to prepare and plan. Um, but that's, I suppose, again, the times we live in and, and things change very quickly and dramatically in some instances. So fingers crossed they can get back playing soon. I was doing some of my own preparation for this weekend and what I tend to do ahead of major Ireland matches is fall down a rabbit hole of listening to Michael Corcoran's commentary from some golden moments on <laughs> YouTube and it actually was second captains had a little compilation clip you know the the things that Mark Horgan I think it's Mark Horgan does them generally yeah. the clips they put out on social media and there's one from Le Drop uh, a so couple good. of years ago now and it, it just led me on to all of these magic corky moments and the one that I couldn't find on YouTube was his reaction to Ireland beating the All Blacks in Dublin. So I searched for that on Twitter and I had completely forgotten that you're the star of this clip as well, Bernard, that Paddy Wallace took on his phone. You were doing co-coms with Michael that day and he's absolutely, oh, yeah. he's absolutely losing his mind. You're maintaining a, a modicum of professionalism next to him, but nonetheless cracking the shites laughing like... <laughs> 
in fairness, I thought he was going to collapse. He, he got so excited. Um, he was red as a beetroot and just, he was gasping for air. And, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't so... I actually put my hand on uh, to get him to calm down. But in fairness, he's waited a long time. Uh, he's commentated on a lot of games where, uh, you know, Ireland hadn't beaten the All Blacks. So he deserved um, he deserved to be let go a little bit. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant commentator and... Uh, yeah, it was it was a privilege to be close to him that day. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing to watch and I have to say having listening to having listened to all of those clips I have deluded myself into thinking that Ireland have a chance now this weekend. It, it tends to happen when I when I listen to Corky, but I'm gonna approach this podcast through the lens of uh, deluded optimism basically and I'll let you guys shit all over that if you want to so I'll start with yourself Bernard um, because we heard from Murray and Owen Toolan on Monday on the members podcast and obviously we'll get more of Murray's thoughts on that Italy game as well but I think there was an element of, of optimism and uh, Murray and Owen were suitably impressed by elements of Ireland's play in what was a futile win nonetheless and it tends to be um, then listening to other coverage I, did, I listened to second captains for example in a few more shows and I didn't find that there was the same level of optimism actually across the board. I thought our boys uh, were, were probably the most positive uh, coming out of that game and, and looking ahead to Paris. So to get your own thoughts to begin with, what did you make of that performance against Italy? What did you take from it that you saw as improvement from Ireland or was it more so to you uh, much uh, more or less the same as what we've seen from Farrell's team so far? No, I think, look, in fairness, if you look back um, at the first game against Scotland, there was, uh, you know, we were playing the same shape or a very similar shape to what we played against Italy and, and we had some really good moments and we were all excited. Um, you know, the Wales and, and England game, um, you know, it was harder to, to see that and, and obviously England particularly was, was soul-destroying. So we probably had a, a bit of a negative um or bitter taste in our mouth about about it over the course of the the lockdown, which is obviously a lot longer than normally. You have to dwell on things, but I, I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was very promising. Um, boys looked confident, lots of energy, knew their role well, and I went after the game and and um yeah, look at the opposition. Um, unfortunately, I think it's hard to see or to to really know where they are as a barometer of what you know the top top seven or eight in the world are like you know, I think we'd, we'd like to we'd probably feel that they're a little bit off at the moment Italy but um, Ireland put them to the sword and, and I think um, it's a brilliant boost to confidence and self-belief uh, for going going to Paris now it's a different different challenge but going to Paris you know in front, instead of France with 80,000 people there is going to be a lot more intimidating than uh, is a lot more intimidating than what we'll face on, on Saturday night and um I think they'll fancy their chances, and, and and for sure France are a team on the up, um, but Ireland definitely have the ability to to get something out of that game and 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 maybe get what we need out of it. But they'll need to up it again, and they know that. But I I think it's good. I think that you know you see players playing with freedom and and uh, playing within a system, but having the uh, the confidence to express themselves, and and you know a couple of new caps coming in and doing well as well it just gives everybody a great boost and. Um, it improves competition in the squad. Uh, it freshens things up, and, and uh, yeah, I think Ireland, uh, uh, you know, they're they're going they're going to Paris with with real hope and confidence. Uh, but having said that, you know, we we talk about France in, in a second. They're they're a lot tougher team, but I, I'm I'm hopeful. Interesting, Murray. You'll have consumed plenty of other rugby coverage during the week, and I'm not suggesting that you would have your own mind changed by anything you would have heard, but. 
did you have your mind changed by anything else you heard? Um, are, are you still kind of as impressed or, or as optimistic as you were in that members podcast with Owen Toolan on Monday? Yeah, like, like I think on Monday we, we reflect on some of the little positives. Um, well, probably acknowledging that it was Italy. And like that's a really important point to, to hammer home because how many times have we seen Ireland play like that against Italy? Like the stats back it up. I know everyone's really excited by the 12 offloads and nine line breaks last weekend. But I actually, looking back through the previous games against Italy over the last couple of years, I have the numbers here. In 2016, 11 offloads, 13 line breaks. In 2017, 11 offloads, 12 line breaks. In 2018, 13 offloads and 11 line breaks. Um, 2019 is an outlier, but we know 2019 was a horrific year. There were six offloads and five line breaks. They're obviously very basic numbers, but kind of illustrate the point that Ireland always rip it up against Italy, really, apart from 2019 when they just had a a poor year all over. Um, And there's always bits and pieces you can take and you think, okay, Ireland are making progress here, but it probably had transpired to be specific to what Italy were presenting or not presenting defensively um, in allowing those opportunities. So, yes, there were absolutely positive elements. Bernard's mentioned a bit of the shape there and some of the decision-making was good. We saw a nice counter-attacking play, use of the short side, all the stuff we went through in reviewing the game as a specific game um, on Monday. But you, you got to qualify that by, by understanding that something very different is coming this weekend. I put France more in that bracket of England quality, you know, a top-tier nation. And, and the last time, last times Ireland have faced top-tier nations, they've, they've struggled. So that's our most recent um, barometer for this team against a, a side of the quality of France. So that's the really interesting part this weekend. Those little bits we've seen, the glimpses, I suppose, of what they're trying to develop in attack and in having more very, a more varied approach to how they break teams down, whether that translates when they're under intense pressure from the kind of line speed that Sean Edwards' defence is going to bring and the kind of power that this French pack and their bench can, can use and, and really smother you with, as well as some of the attacking threats that we're going to come to. So, yeah, de- definitely lots that was positive in the performance against Italy but it very much was a performance against Italy that we've probably seen quite similar uh, before hopefully I'm not misrepresenting that podcast with Owen you did qualify it all and you weren't exactly totally gushing either I just kind of came away from that a little bit happier than I did listening yeah. to other coverage and reading we always like to boost your mood game. on a Monday Gav and then we bring you down during That's the week absolutely <laughs> It's absolutely key and it's inspired me to do the same here to listeners for the regular pod. I think there's enough shit going on. We can just keep <laughs> the spirits high and even if the come down on Saturday is biblical. Uh, there's a question here from Eric Fitzgerald and we're going to kick into France chat with this one. Eric is a, a member of the 42 at members.the42.ie. He's in the famous members WhatsApp group and he says, do the panels see Ireland sticking with a similar game plan as the one against Italy or are we likely to go the aerial route and test France's back three? To which Kalon in the WhatsApp group replied, Eric won't be happy until there's literal snow on the ball as it falls from the sky. Yeah, well, yeah, I, th- I think obviously it'll be um, more of a mix of ball in hand and, and, and ball in the air than we had against Italy. Um, just because you'd be foolish to try and um, get to wit or, or keep the ball alive you know, from wrong areas of the field or um, when France have a numerical advantage. And that's the, that's the difference. And, like, they knew that if they played three or four phases, decent phases against Italy, you'd win a collision and, uh, and get over the gain line. We were creating really quick ball. Um, Italy at the breakdown were, were pretty 
poor but on their own ball and 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 on our ball so you know they have to be smart and and uh, i think we'll have to mix it up a little bit more um the challenge as well is what worked first in terms of our shape against italy is going to be harder to execute against france because of the the nature of how sean edwards sets them up to defend and you know they they throw shooters in um regularly and often to point and then also you know they they're very aggressive on the outside so um, it's hard to get the ball to, to space. Interestingly, you know, and I, I, I can't remember who I heard talking about the weekend criticizing Ireland players for, for taking the ball standing and and then you know and passing. And I think that's actually going to be really important. Um, against against France. So when you're up against a very aggressive, um, defense, the more you take out of it, the less chance you have of getting it to the next best person. So, um, sometimes you actually need to be really patient and just hold your feet and. And you know, catch pass to eventually get round them. So it'll be interesting to see how Ireland um, adapt to that. I'm thinking about the Hugo Keenan try, where uh, the first try I think it was from the mall, uh, where effectively none of the backs took took anything out of it just to get the ball to space to him, and that's going to be really important with the likes of you know Fiku and Rates, uh, Rat, yeah, Rate uh, coming coming up and in, and and uh, we've got to be able to adjust. Um, went to carry and went to to catch pass and that so that's going to be a challenge for the back back line. Also, you know uh, the shape we're playing, we are pretty reliant on ring rows. Um, being that second second ball player and it's a big challenge for for Robbie to come in and and be as good as Gary is in that role because um, realistically you know Jacob is is a very good player fullback but he's not a playmaker um, and probably Conway and and Keenan are, are, you know, they're, they're out and out back three players, not playmakers. And, you know, Bundy struggles with that a little bit. So, you know, personnel wise, um, it's going to be a bigger ask than maybe with Gary playing there. But um, I think when, you know, we will look to get, get the ball away because we have to. If we're going to evolve this game, um, we have to test it against different types of defences. So, uh, again, it's a, it's a different challenge, but one that hopefully we. We have some success in, and and when we're not successful, that we we adapt and and make sure the next time we play France or, or that type of defence, we're able to match it. Yeah, one of the other things to point to, I suppose, that was a, a positive last weekend was that Ireland, they often kicked, before they really had to kick. They've gotten, real um obviously a criticism for for box kicking a lot in the past, and and very often the box kick is kind of a last resort. The attack hasn't worked with ball in hand. We're going backwards here. Let's put it up and contest and try and win it back and get a bit more momentum again that way. Obviously, they didn't box kick at all, really, last weekend against Italy. Again, quite down to the opposition, and there's going to be more of that, and, and it would be wrong not to use Conor Murray's ability in that area, particularly given that the French back three really struggled in the air last weekend against Wales. Boutier didn't look convincing at all, really, and Fiku now goes back to the wing. Rates is not a, a huge, tall guy, so I think they will look at that area. But also in their phase play, you saw... Sexton, I definitely agree with Bernard Ringrose is going to be a miss. He had a lovely kick at one stage, but they kicked probably just after the the team had gained attacking momentum. So you think, okay, they're maybe they're kicking the ball away there, but they're also not forcing the ball wide when maybe the edge defender is getting up um, and kicking in behind them and and a, a backfield that's slightly exposed. I thought they did that better, and I'll be really interested to see if that continues because against England back in in February. They didn't do that. They didn't really re- go to their kicking game at all. They kept trying to play to the width. They kept getting smothered by Maro Toje and those guys who were shooting up defensively. And they just played into their hands. And, and all that pressure was just 
so suffocating. So I think they definitely have a, have a better variety in that. Obviously, Sexton's got great skills and we saw lots of his nice little kicks in, in, last weekend, but he has to be helped out. And certainly Ringrose missing with his grubber kicking game and his ability to, to identify the spaces and miss. So guys like Henshaw, maybe Stockdale um, and Conway obviously can kick really well on the edge. Um, will have to be part of that as well as Murray. Yeah, it's interesting. Ringrose will be missed kind of in two ways. He's obviously a really nice distributor of the ball from hand, but that ability to grubber and, and just find that little bit of space with sort of 10, 15, 20 metre kicks as well is something that maybe Henshaw doesn't bring to the table so much. Um, Murray, we did see as well Sexton uh, produce a kind of an old-fashioned Raj-esque spiral into the corner, yeah. um, just kicking territorially against Italy. And you'd wonder, against a Sean Edwards defence, where the line speed, particularly when Ireland are, are kind of going into this game needing four tries and Edwards will be looking to make a, a kind of a psychological breakthrough with his team early doors. They're going to be flying towards us. There's going to be space in behind them. Is, is that something that you could see Ireland deploying more, even just that almost basic 2004 era uh, territorial kicking rather than even, I, I guess, something that, you know, a little bit more subtle that we're seeing teams implementing now across the board? yeah part of part of the strategy you know the kicking game has to be part of any strategy and and often if you kick well which i think actually france are doing a lot better this year um as bernard kind of highlighted earlier on this year they have a guy called block Silliers in a south african guy to work on their kicking game and you've seen them be a lot more patient in that area like in the past french teams just wanted to attack 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 now they're happy to get into a bit of a kick battle to kind of gain a better field position or put the opposition under pressure. You saw plenty of it against Wales again last weekend, but they're really good at taking their attacking opportunity when it comes. Like there aren't as many teams, there aren't many teams rather, maybe them and the All Blacks who just score in the blink of an eye when you give them a, a hint of space. And they're brilliant at do, doing that. That's, I suppose, the challenge now is for Ireland to combine that kicking we're talking about there with this, I suppose, increased width and that shape they're trying to play with some more ball handling um, and really be clinical whenever that opportunity opens up which would be you would think rarer against France so we're not asking for much but it's basically perfect decision making at every time when when the space is in behind kick to that when they're under pressure before they get under real pressure kick and then if there is that little bit of space on the edge then be really clinical and accurate in taking it just before we bring bring Bernard back in there, Murray, how much do Ireland lose in their, say, from an offensive point of view or in relation to wanting to play an expansive game, which we're probably going to have to do, as Bernard says, um, how much do Ireland lose in, in ring rows not being available? Can Robbie Henshaw play a more uh, distributorial way? Like, going back, it goes, it's going back a long time now and, and he probably doesn't get the either get the opportunity to do it at Leinster and with Ireland or just sort of has phased it out of his game and has focused on, on other areas as he's improved over the years but when he played for Connacht like he kind of was a playmaker like his his passing is still good but we maybe just don't see it so what I'm asking in a very long-winded and awkward way is like can he actually pass the ball sort of 20 yards like and, and actually play that role for Ireland or does his inclusion at Ringrose's unfortunate expense kind of shift what Andy Farrell will look to do in this game yeah you see you saw Henshaw's pass for the first Keenan try a lovely pass over the top uh, good vision really well executed you saw him offload down the left in the build up to Sexton's beautiful try which was the best of the day I thought really good fluid passage of team attack he has those skills and you see it for Leinster all the time he, he offloads um, 
I would say maybe the decision making and the reading of the game isn't quite at Ringrose's level. I think he's excellent in that area. His, his decision making is excellent, and he's got a, a really good sense of where space is and how to how to get there, as well as a lovely bit of. Uh, footwork and, and stepping ability I think the decision making has, has come on and is still definitely a work in progress they're, they're different players alright Henshaw's a brilliant defender at 12 really probably underrated even in that area of the game but it's very different defending at 13 and, and he's had some challenges probably in that area um, in the past stepping into 13 for Ireland I think I remember 2018 Australia where there were a couple of reads where it, it was tough reads but he probably got them wrong and, and left the team exposed it is a difficult place to defend Ringrose tends to have missed tackle stats but often those bits are even good defence because he's just about preventing attack or funneling someone in field and he does a really good effort uh, really good job rather on on kind of jockey defence when their number's down I don't think there's anyone better than him in managing those situations so that's a big area particularly when Virami Vakatawa is wearing the 13 jersey for France he's in sensational form he's been playing on a different planet really and if he gets any sort of decent ball, any sort of space either side of a defender or in between the midfielders, he is just so powerful. You can't tackle him with your arms. You've got to get a big shoulder on and probably a second shoulder from another tackler as well. So big defensive job for, for Henshaw and Aki. Totally understandable, Bernard, that Hugo Keenan emerged from the game with a lot of plaudits and many headlines. Uh, he Listen, the guy will run all day. He's just a supremely fit athlete, talented guy, runs hard as well. But... Maybe his performance overshadowed Jacob Stockdale at 15. I certainly personally was curious about the decision, not going into the Italy game, but more so with Paris in mind, given that France actually do kick the leather off the ball now in, a, in an intelligent way. Um, what did you make of Stockdale's performance at fullback? And would you be optimistic, basically, of his chances of impacting the game similarly in Paris? Yeah, look, I think he's definitely a tress, um, you know, I know Vlockillier well as as Murray said they're kicking coach and you know he will he will test them and um uh, if they kick badly because he has that ability to bring it back um and he has ability to kick it kick it back further than they've kicked to them as well and that's that's the key is about being patient and as Murray said you know traditionally you could kick the France and they'd overplay and and, and it would be an advantage to you. I think they're much better now um in terms of their understanding of, of game management and, and Stockdale for Ireland, that's going to be a test for him is, is how patient can he be or, you know, uh, the counter-argument or is is if there is an opportunity, can he spot it straight away and, and go and exploit it? Because, um, you know, the way they're, they're defending, the way they're playing, uh, there's not many opportunities. Wales found it very hard to 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 break them down and, and you know that was on the back of a really poor discipline performance from France where they gave away 16 penalties so I doubt they're going to be as as as, uh, as generous this weekend so yeah I, I thought Stockton was good I think he's worth persevering with there um, you know it's interesting you know even from exits it just gives us a, a different dimension and you know him being able to take responsibility there you know, led to that little chip from James Gibson Park which you know lands in that no man's land that Sexton picks up which, which again you know, if you're scouting Ireland this weekend and you're talking around your backfield coverage, that's suddenly now something you have to look at. So the more strings you have to your bow um, from a kicking point of view, from an attacking power point of view, um, the more difficult it is. And, and that's what Stockdale gives us. So I'm I'm happy to see him have another go there. I, I don't think he'll be the f- finished article yet, but he definitely has the raw materials to be um someone who could be a, a real threat for us at, at fullback as, as we kick on to the next couple of years can i ask you as well just about how you see the packs stacking up this weekend like to me it, it 
I'm finding it difficult to find areas of the pitch in which you could definitively say Ireland are better stock than France at the moment. Like it's it's probably nip and tuck here or there. But if you could break down the pack in say terms of front row, second row, back row, who has the who has the edge there? Maybe it's difficult to call obviously before the game, but on paper I suppose in ter- in terms of your interpretation, who would you see as having the edge in that area? Oh, look at front row wise with Bay, Marshan and Hadas. Um, I think our front row can stand up to them. The problem is the bench. Um, you know, Camille Shaq coming off the bench, Grow uh, and Bamba. They just look to have way more impact than than we do there. So in front row, oh, you know, over the course of eighty minutes, I think they potentially have the the edge there. As I said, particularly that bench, and you know, I also just want to mention Keane Healy getting his hundred cap. It's uh, it's phenomenal. He's come a long way from. You know, from being a um a ro- or a skateboarder, BMX kid in, in Leinster, and uh, you know his tenure and impact in Ireland and Leinster is phenomenal. So hopefully the lads will pitch for him, um, this weekend uh, and and get a little bit extra out. But yeah, front row wise, I would say, um, I would say advantage France. Do you think Gav, what about second row, Murray? Sorry, just to briefly mention there, Gav, it's definitely worth remembering. Yep. Even when Bernard goes in second row there. Tyke Furlong's missing, and Dave Kilcoyne's missing, and Ian Henderson's missing. Like against Italy, that. We didn't see any negative effect that, but when you look back on this game, potentially you will, because exactly as Bernard says there, you would have had Porter and Kilcoyne probably coming off the bench in the second half of this game, which would have been a boost. Like France are going to get that out of Bambash, Camille Shad. There's so much dynamism. And the same with with Henderson, I suppose, in the second row, having him there um, or, or Bernard to come off the bench or whoever it was. You're just down a couple of, of options in terms of your depth. Well, I'll ask you to take second row, Murray, if that's okay. Um, who who do you see having the edge there? And I've got a question coming up as well from the members uh, around the corner of that point that you're going to make. Yeah, they're different second rows, aren't they? I mean, Paul Willem says a massive tight head lock, really heavy, um, good around the mall and those kind of areas. He brings real power. James Ryan obviously is a really powerful guy, but neither him or Byrne are, are massive units of that of that um, that weight on the weighing scales. Anyway, Bernard Leroux being fit is a, is a, or being available rather is a big boost for France. He's been in excellent form. Uh, obviously with the, the Alan Wynne-Jones thing which I'm shocked to be honest that he got away with I thought it was a pretty clear elbow um, it shows that he's playing right up to the edge that is a good thing in many instances because he's he's the guy bringing the niggle and bringing that attitude for France very often he's brilliant around the rock clearing guys out massive work rate um, and he's been really really impressive recently so um, the, the the question I suppose for, for Ty Byrne is, is being that starting test lock we talked about it Bernard before the Six Nations whether he had the I suppose bulk and and the power in a carry in a close quarters sense um he's obviously brilliant on the jackal really mobile lovely hands and is an unbelievably dogged character um but just in in a match like this it's a it's a certain step up and last time out against Wales last year wasn't it probably didn't manage to impose himself on the game so we'll have learned a lot from that I'd say overall it's it's pretty even there James Ryan has been calling the Ireland line out and, and we were speaking to him yesterday. He's really enjoying that responsibility and being a bit, bit more of the the leader, I suppose, in the team, being part of the strategy and the attack and understanding that sense of it. So he's still only 24. It's mad to think that he made his Six Nations debut in that game in 2018 w- with Le Drop, uh, but he has developed really quickly since then and, and is already, for me, a world-class lock. I'd say it's pretty even there. Um, Roman Tau Fifanua coming off the bench adds a whole lot of bulk for France as well so there's a bit of power coming in there 
I'll throw to Bernard for the kind of back row comparison. But just before I do that question here, Murray, that I might ask yourself via Owen O'Sullivan, a member of the 42 from the WhatsApp group. And Owen was asking, will the Burn connors combo be as successful against a larger pack and a faster scrum half? Uh, probably not because France I think are going to like they were vicious at the attacking breakdown against Wales really really on the edge like leading with the head at times some questionable stuff maybe but bringing massive aggression into it I think they'll be much better at clearing away those Irish jackal attempts there's loads of jackals trying to even beyond Connors and Byrne obviously in the Irish back and that's a really interesting aspect of it because that game is part of the game has been really favouring the jackals but I just would urge caution to Ireland there because if you get it wrong against France, as I said earlier on, they just need a glimpse. I think for one of the Welsh tries, they wasted two bodies in a ruck. They got smashed off it. A couple of other guys couldn't fold around the corner and Wales are left really numbers down in midfield. Um, and Fiku does a really good job of picking them apart and, and they score. France score with DuPont running that brilliant inside line. So I don't think the opportunities will be quite as many, for as numerous for Ireland. And they have to be just so nailed on in their decision making because if you waste a body against the French you're, you're in real trouble Bernard Ireland's back row how did you think they went against Italy and talk to me as well about Will Connors you'd mentioned last week that people you'd been speaking to um, are actually quite high on his just I guess his ability as a footballer not just the, the chop tackling for which he's become famous we saw some nice touches for him as well I think it maybe he wasn't quite instrumental uh, in an overall sense but certainly in some of the things Ireland were trying to do he had roles to play there as well as being magnificent defensively Yeah, no, I thought he had a really good uh, debut and um, he, he definitely showed he can play international rugby uh, I think the balance of the back row um, is is excellent with, with Doris, Stander and Connors all kind of having different skill sets but, um, but all have high work rates and are... Um, you know, are, are all very good technically. So, you know, we're strong there. You know, the the, the French back row with Crow, uh, Aldred and Olivion, they're very good as well. They're not like, you know, pick a mold. You know, guys there with 70, 80 caps, but um, as a unit, I think they complement each other pretty well, all good athletes as well. So it's going to be a, an interesting battle there. Just just going back to that physicality uh, at the breakdown, I actually signed Willemse for, for Grenoble and... Um, he is probably the meanest man I've ever seen in in contact. We used to do we had this rucking net on a Tuesday, and effectively there was like you go under the net and you come out and you gotta uh, melt somebody. Um, and I used to feel, we all the coaches used to look away when he came out because uh, invariably someone would end up injured, and and I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge part of the game this weekend. Now he, you know he is hyper aggressive and but he has the power and technique to uh to create forward momentum at the breakdown but um i don't worry you showed a couple of clips i think on twitter of, of some breakdowns in, in south africa um and that's where he's been you know that's where he's come through so ireland were able to get in and, and slow down a lot of and take a lot of turnovers against italy but it's going to be a, a different task and i think as well as you said they've got to make smarter decisions because because of the difference in the attacking threat as well um, if they get it wrong and they overcommit there and don't get the ball, um, we'll be in trouble. But yeah, back row I would say pretty even to be honest. Uh, two two back rows who are uh, who complement each each other well and and uh, without any massive stars. Which we can we can blame you so when 
Paul Williams to take someone. To, no, honestly, you know. honestly, uh, like actually used to uh, put my hands over my eyes because because uh, <laughs> uh, he, he like for him most people are training. You know, there's a there's a gentleman's agreement sometimes. You know, and uh, but he just knew only one way, and that was hundred percent. And he was about one hundred and thirty six or seven kilos. Um, I could get him and quite powerful. He doesn't is aerobic wouldn't have been great, but uh, anaerobically and power wise, he was he was unbelievable. But uh, yeah, he's it's great to see him play international rugby. He's got his fitness level up, and um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely becoming a key part of that. And scrum wise, and as you said, mall wise, um, he's so effective and he can disrupt um opposition more so yeah, well mean is a is a great word for meanness at a rock is, is brilliant the, the set piece is massive though isn't it bernard no scrum no win the french will will highlight that the whole time and i'd say they'll be looking at it and thinking oh you know leinster scrum got this uh, dismantled by saracens we've got an opportunity here like that could be a huge area oh absolutely and and it's it, like let's be honest unfortunately we probably weren't tested there and i know you know the the irish scrum um Methodology and 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 philosophy is different than than Leinster's with, with less focus on, on probably being as attacking, um and more about you know uh solidity and, and getting ball to play off. But France will look to, to really uh, really target that and and um, they will they will definitely push the limits in terms of, legalities there. And I think um you know we really need a, a strong referee who's gonna, who's gonna make sure he you know he referees it correctly and obviously the team going forward generally get the benefit of the doubt but if they are being you know highly illegal then hopefully they get picked up yeah. on it just briefly on that Gav um, like Wayne Barnes is down to do the match we still haven't heard anything he obviously missed the, the premiership final with um he, pos- he tested positive for COVID-19 but it seems he hasn't been ruled out of this yet the world rugby who do the appointment said they're going to give us an announcement today so maybe after the podcast but um yeah he's definitely going to have a a busy task on his on his hands. France gave away sixteen penalties last weekend. Their discipline, which does slip sometimes, still and gives you opportunities. It was really poor the last day. They've got to be much cleaner there because otherwise Ireland will will happily kick points to get up a bit of a lead and, and start going to the corner on the tougher penalties that are slightly out of Sexton's range as well. Um, so that's going to be a big mass, a big part of it as well. Wayne Barnes and, and his referee. Yeah, hopefully Barnesy makes it, but who knows? He might wind up in Paris. Yeah, Murray, flights booked. <laughs> phone might ring uh, let me ask you this I'll stick with yourself Murray for this one and I suspect the answer is no is there a means of stopping or interrupting the rhythm of Antoine Dupont that's a good question lots of his best work last weekend was as that support player like it's a massive part of the game support play from everyone but nines as well are these days they're as priceless as a winger in terms of finishing ability being on that inside support line and he did it brilliantly last weekend as he as he always does he's so positive in running upfield bustling upfield um and as Owen mentioned on Monday on the podcast we're probably going to be looking at Ireland leaving shoulders on him like you're going to play on the line and, and try and get him try and get to him each time he passes so that he's not available to get upfield and, and run that inside support he's brilliant at doing that but he's also a major threat himself on those arcing lines around the rock he really tests the the kind of hold or fold decision making in the defence. Those props, those tight forwards, either getting around the corner or staying tight. He's constantly having a little scan to see what's available there. So the defence in that area, which Ireland have maybe slipped on a couple of times, and and actually I think some of the errors they've made out wide have been a knock on effect of poor decisions closer into the ruck, um, very often. So they've got to be nailed on there. He's also he's also really good defensively. I think in the World Cup last year he had maybe the joint most turnovers. He's brilliant at stripping the ball from 
uh, carriers. He's really strong, despite I suppose his, his lack of height anyway. Um, and he can really do a whole lot. He, he's he's brilliant vision. His passing game is obviously excellent. He's worked really hard in his kicking game as well, and, and definitely one of the very best in the game. A guy who is buzzing with confidence. So, yeah, I think Ireland will certainly look to get to him and frustrate him and grab and scrag him and and just deny him any opportunity to get into his flow. And they've got to be nailed on around the rock. How would you approach it, Bernard, from a head coaching point of view, or if you were a defence coach, or even, <clears throat> excuse me, in consultation with the defence coach? Like, would you have a specific plan for somehow mitigating against the dangers that he brings, or is it a case of, as Murray says, just having to kind of roughhouse him a little bit where the opportunity presents itself and kind of niggle away at him without having a, a sort of a concrete tactical plan? Yeah, I think it's a compound effect, just pressuring him. Um, consistently throughout the game and, and that's that's when he's going to box kick you know by by getting someone to attack the seam of the of the uh, of the wedge um or the caterpillar and you know getting one of your locks a little bit closer to him and just constantly making him feel suffocated and making sure there's no gaps around um you know around the fringe of the rook and if he does go for that gap that you know he doesn't get his hands free and he's he's trapped on the bottom of the ground and they have to play a you know, forward has to make the next pass. The thing about him is, and, and most brilliant scrum halves is, they like to be on their feet all the time. So even when they take it into contact, they try and offload before they're actually put to ground. So Ireland, any chance to get any chance they get, they need to make sure he's at the bottom of a rook. But he's so smart and shrewd that, um, you know, he's quite quite used to avoiding that. And I think his his understanding of when it's on to go and when it's on to to play, you know, forward or. Or play into Mac is is vastly improved, and I think you know he's he's probably the best. He's the best scrum half in, in the world at the moment, in my opinion. Um, in terms of his all around game, because you know as Murray said, he he defends really well as well. So, um, he is the main danger for us this weekend, and um, I'm sure Simon needs to be is uh is drumming home how important it is that we don't give him any soft soft opportunities to get momentum. Yeah, the halfbacks for France have. They've gotten better at that decision-making about when to play. I think that's a great point, Bernard. Like, obviously, Roman Entomac, he's a young guy, he's 21. Dupont is still a young guy as well. It's really exciting for them to think they're going to grow and grow and grow, but they're really good at, like, it's not all ripping it up with Vakatawa. Like, they have those massive forward carriers, and they, they're good at coming around the corner, either off nine or ten. I think they're good at making decisions where to carry, where to pick out weaknesses. And when you got Olivon and Aldrich charging at you, very hard to stop. So that's probably where... As you kind of highlighted, Gav, the the chop tackling of Connors could be really important. Um, and I think it's brilliant that we're highlighting all his other strengths as well. But I, I've I've almost got to the point where now where I'm kind of like, do we have to highlight that every single time? Because like it's it's okay to be absolutely brilliant at defending. It's it's half the game, and we always laud the attacking players. And um, clearly, Connors can do more than that. But his ability to win the first phase or two, as we've seen with Leinster, is absolutely instrumental. Because if you lose those against France with the power coming around the corner and out the back, you're already in trouble. Speaking of defensive qualities, a question that has just come into the WhatsApp group from David, and it was going to be the question that I was going to ask you anyway, Bernard. So perfect timing from David. Uh, he says, moving the defensive leader to the wing in relation to Fiku seems a strange move. What do the pod think the reason might be? And does Vanson bring something different or are they low on wing options? Um, I don't think they're low on wing, wing options, but I think it's a case of um, Galtier just trying to get as much X-Factor, as much leadership into the 
into the team as he can. Fico has experience of playing on the wing. Obviously, he's a, you know, he's a he's an excellent centre as well. But I I think, I think the most important thing is I think it could actually be led from from Edwards and and, um, you know, having been part of that defensive leadership group, he understands the role of of the wing, um, inside out and. Uh, you know, Edwards will probably back him to go there, and also let's be honest: if he gets the ball in hand in space, he he has the capability. He's not you're not carrying him there just for his defensive work. So, um, I think there is you know some really good wings in in France, but um, I can see I can see the reasoning why behind you know behind a, a crunch game like this, where it's potentially a a title on the line for France, that you'd want to get your best players into your backline. A question from Shane Murray, and I haven't thought of either backline really in these terms but it's an interesting one as I go through the names in my head here and their physiques uh, and Shane was asking might the relative sizes of the backlines be an advantage for Ireland France 9, 10, 12, 14, 15 are quite small as are the backs on their bench yeah this is actually it's a great point because it's something I've thought over the last few years like Ireland do have some pretty solid um, backs like you think of Stockdale at fullback a really big athlete Henshaw and Aki are obviously major kind of power athletes and have that ability as well so you'd love to see Ireland going in with a really kind of dominant mindset we've spoken about it in terms of Stockdale like you'd love to see him being ultra aggressive in his defensive work and in the tackle consistently and and as well as that going forward and and just trying to boss people and and be the the difference maker that he can be all time at all times and and have that mindset so listen France aren't sure to be fair now with, with Vakatawa um, and Fiku and, and the likes but yeah that, that might be something that that they'll look to to go at even with Entomac and um, and Vonson's obviously not that experienced he's only 21 and, and made his debut earlier on this year a real talent but I actually think Ireland would I think they'll be pleased to see that centre partnership broken up um, just in terms of what they've been building Fiku and Vakatawa and a nice little bit of understanding there it was obviously broken up earlier on this year as well but I think Ireland will be will be happier with that being the case plus there's no Teddy Tomat to probably pull a try out of somewhere he might give you one at some stage but he'll probably chip over the half your team and, and collect it himself and score as well so um, yeah I'll be fascinated to see that I think it's a good point and, and you'd love to see Ireland be really assertive physically in the back line On a more macro slash psychological level then as we wind down towards match predictions Bernard I heard Andrew Trimble on second captains during the week might have been even yesterday and he was making the point that maybe it would be unhealthy to be discussing bonus points or scoring four tries uh, in that Ireland camp in the lead up to this one and as much as I should defer to Trimble in that he's been in that type of dressing room environment and was uh, an elite level player part of me was kind of wondering why like why would it be unhealthy like why shy away from this when you know exactly what you have to do as unlikely as it seems on paper you know going into the game you have to score four tries like do you think Ireland's game plan or what they attempt to do on Saturday will be defined or determined by that quite um, clear mission in front of them, as insurmountable as it may seem? Or will it be more a case of kind of playing it by ear, if you know what I mean? Like playing the game as it, as it unfolds in front of you rather than setting out to score four tries? I think they definitely have to talk around what's needed. I mean, they enter the championship to win us. They're going into the last weekend with an opportunity to win it, but know that they, you know what what they need to get. So there's there's no point to shine away from that. Um, and I think their their game plan will 
be uh, be be steered by that to be honest. But I also think you're not going to go chasing scores really early. I mean, um, you know, the most important thing is to be in a position to to win it with with twenty minutes to go. But I, I'm sure Sexton and um and the other leaders will will have a chat beforehand around what their policy is going to be and and then you know and it's got to be to to eventually end up with with the bonus point. Um, uh, I, I think hundred percent it will be so definitely. Uh, some elements of our decision making will be will be steered towards that without trying to play you know barbarian rugby uh, from the first five minutes because that might might necessarily help us help us get there even though um it might be playing with ball in hand or running from deep but um I I would be shocked if we didn't go chase that uh, and look at it all depends on how can we find a an area of weakness in France and expose it but that definitely should be the should be the aim. It kind of. Uh, strikes me, Murray, as a game in which Ireland might be put under the cosh early because obviously France have their own designs on a bonus point win. And now they won't have the, as Bernard says, the 80,000 80, or is it 70,000 at the Stade de France strong crowd roaring them on, Jouet. Um, but they'll be doing a bit of Jouet nonetheless, you'd imagine. And you'd also imagine that cool heads will be absolutely paramount here, early doors for Ireland. Like how many times have we seen in massive matches uh, over the last couple of years where things have started to go against them, heads dropping, body language being pretty terrible actually, and a kind of an inability to um, emerge through adversity as it unfolds on the field. Like there is a fair chance that ter- first 10, 15, 20 minutes here, there will be adversity to face. Do you think Ireland have... Uh, maybe there's no evidence to suggest it, but do you think they have turned a corner in which they can actually get back to a, a little bit of that uh, previous mentality of not really wilting in the face of that? And I, and just, again, I, I guess just retaining composure, playing the game, working their way back into it if they have to, um, and keeping heads, basically. Honestly, I, I don't know. That's why I'm really interested to find out because when they've come under pressure last few times, it has been error on error against the best teams and that's been the the issue and, and they've kind of gone into their shells i'll be really fascinated to see the thing with the crowd is really interesting johnny sexton said it might be an advantage because the french won't start booing them if if Ireland get on top um and there won't be that pressure there as well um but yeah you're you're dead right like we we kind of forget this week that france are still very much alive and very much intent on finishing out this year of resurgence and revival under a new coaching team with lots of young guys coming through um and there's they're still in the hunt. They'll have real designs and, and realistic ambitions of winning, obviously, at home. It's going to be a really excellent result if Ireland even win, in my opinion, because like I'm expecting France to win. They're at home. They've been good this year. Uh, Ireland haven't been good against the best teams in the last, what, a year and a half, 18 months, whatever it's been. Um, so I think even just winning would, would be an excellent result. To do with a bonus point would be a spectacular result for Ireland. Um, you're dead right they can't be reckless earlier on and there's loads of ways to score tries like mall tries are just as valuable as running the length of the pitch Harlem Globetrotter style or kicking into good territory getting five metre chances and taking those as well there's loads of ways to, to skin the cat but just when I look at it overall with I maybe take myself out of the, the week and, and the sense of hope and, and optimism that Ireland fans have I think a, a, a win would be a brilliant outcome and if you looked at that at the start of the championship you would have said it was really good because four out of five wins um, would have been a, a great return and, and winning away in France is always is always a good return also as well as that um, there's uh, prize money on the line which is pretty important at the moment given the financial troubles I think the difference between second and third is it's over a million anyway so 
um, even getting a win would be a big boost for, for Ireland in that sense. If they do it and get the bonus point, they'll get over six million for winning the championship. So I think Andy Farrell might get uh, a nice clap on the back from the from the union for that. But to do it with a bonus point would be unbelievable result. And I even think to win would be a really laudable outcome for Farrell in Ireland. Okay, you've given up the ghost there in, in saying that you expect France to win. I'm gonna, we'll wrap back around and get Berners' prediction at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, let's just touch upon that England-Italy game. It will obviously, well, it should impact what Ireland need to do in Paris. We can keep it brief enough, I think, because we know who's going to win the game. But Bernard, um, just allowing for the fact that England didn't get that little warm-up against the Barabas and they're coming in cold, so to speak, is there any chance at all that they don't get a bonus point win here? Um, No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's talk about Pro 14. In fairness, I, I just don't think uh, Italy must be absolutely broken. I mean, it's, it's 25 or 26 games without a win. Um, England, England will just go for the juggler. I think, like, there, it's a lot different, us, you know, us talking about having to respect France and, and not take risks early. I think England can go go for risks early and not have the game in any doubt. So, um well, I think it's an exciting team. Uh, like some of the players, that, some of the back row depth that England have is, is phenomenal. But anyway, England will get the bonus points um, without a doubt. Give us a margin of victory, Murray, to the nearest ten for England. Like, are you in agreement with with Bernard there? Four tries, four tries is almost a guarantee. Yeah, I I, I think it would be a massive uh, failure if they didn't get that. I, I know maybe a couple of injuries or whatever, um, and a reshuffle with Farrell maybe going to ten. But even still, the, the quality player they have they should absolutely be finishing the job here and really putting it out of sight for Ireland it is an advantage obviously having that beforehand you know exactly what you need and let's bloody hope that there's real drama in the finale it was brilliant the last time Super Saturday in uh, 2015 so hopefully we get something similar but I would be surprised to be honest if England don't kind of almost wrap it up Okie doke let's actually talk about Pro 14 then we promised we would at the start and in any other week there would have been so much to talk about there is so much to talk about it's just that we're running out of time a little bit um let's touch upon Leinster to begin with I think we can almost move on from that a little bit more quickly than the others it was a fairly futile win Murray um but nonetheless big Dan Sheehan uh very impressive and as always just a few little things that Leinster can be very happy with and no matter who they uh, slot into these uh, starting berths or into a match day squad they tend to have three or four guys at least coming away with either a couple of tries or just a really impactful performance that uh, allows them to sort of stick their hand up for contention in bigger games again definitely Rosebra were woeful um, so again like we're talking about Italy and judging that game definitely applies here the two big things I took away were as you say Sheehan looked excellent on his debut we've heard loads of good things I actually think he could really accelerate quickly up through the ranks he's um, unbelievably big guy um, I heard actually during the week that his father is like 6'5 and was near, nearly 150 kg he was a massive guy um, and so you can see it in, in Sheehan for a hooker he's 6'3 and over 110 kg it looks like to me he's got aggression so um, along with the skill set as well I think he's a big prospect and then just seeing Dan Levy back it was just heartwarming really and the, how happy the teammates were for him when he nearly got that try at the end Um and he, he looked good. He, like, he didn't seem tentative. I think his pace and real explosive um, power, like in, in the carry and tackle, will, will take a time to, to tune up. But he looked really um, mentally strong about that knee and, and said it felt perfect afterwards. So really good to see. And, and fingers crossed his 
recovery continues over the next few weeks with Leinster and we see him back obviously with Ireland maybe next year yeah I thought it's great to see him back as Murray said and and every game he gets now he'll just start to um get even better but what a nice way to be coming on against you know a team who are already well beaten and Leinster running riot so um yeah and I, and I agree about Dan Sheen I think he's been flagged up in AIL um circles as being someone with a huge amount of potential you know the word was Stuart Lancaster um you know said to the academy look you need to fast track him and his brother actually is playing for UCD I think they're converting him to a tight head who's apparently uh, quite a good player as well so might be another set of brothers maybe coming into the Leinster setup in a, in a while Sticking with yourself Bernard uh, another former club of yours Connacht coming out on the right side of a nine try thriller and uh, some sensational pieces of play from Connacht in this game away at Edinburgh away at a good team just a really really good win maybe a bit of a signature win or a um, uh, win that has the potential to to really propel them now uh, into the Pro 14 season what did you make of it? Yeah I thought they were brilliant uh, um, in the Viva Stadium when when Pro 14 started back again against Ulster and then obviously rotated against Munster very good against Glasgow on the opening day and then just had this really poor performance against the Blues in, in, in Newport, which I suppose, you know, gave me a little bit of doubt, but what a way to bounce back and, and the quality of, of 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 their attack, you know, missing obviously some some players, some guys making their debuts. And uh yeah, Caelan Blade, I mean his two try yeah, sorry, his try uh, where he broke down the blind side from the mall and, and the grubber kicked through and then um you know his other assist uh, again, a, a lovely little piece of, uh, 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 or a lovely little kick, kick into the into the dead ball area. It was just just phenomenal, and I just thought they defended well. They dealt with the Edinburgh Mall, you know, which is their big strength um, eventually, and and just they look like a team buzzing at the moment. So it's it's great, it's great to see. How much fun is it just seeing lads um, do unexpected stuff, cool stuff like that? As you say, blade down the blind side. No one expected that. His grubber. No one expected it. Conor Fitzgerald's beautiful kind of through ball. It was almost like a soccer pass. It was like when you're playing FIFA and you get the perfect through ball to Sammy Arnold. It was a beautiful moment. Even Shane Delahunt's line where he comes out of nowhere to make the break before um, before his own try. It was just unexpected stuff that's slightly different to what the opposition would have scouted and planned for. And it's really hard to adapt and, and recover. And I think it's brilliant to see rugby players having the confidence to do that kind of stuff. So... I suppose bravo to Andy Friend and, and Nigel Carolyn for backing the players to do that. Ulster emphatic Murray against the Dragons. Uh, they would have had it down as a, a win on their schedule, really, but they were impressive in how they went about it. Impressive in the first half, yeah. They got the bonus point within half an hour. Um, and then after that, probably mentally eased off a bit and frustrating second half for them, really, with, with errors in attack. Bernard, I know I was listening to you do the comms. Excellent job, by the way. Um and it was just, I suppose they couldn't keep the foot right on the throat having got the job done. Yeah, and it probably, like, I think they scored five tries out of six attacks in the, in the first half. And it is hard. And I know Dan afterwards was saying that's the level they need to get to where they go for the juggler. But, you know, they took off, um, you know, took off Cooney and Madigan. And, and, and I think it's hard for young halfbacks coming in who maybe are trying to, uh, show you know that they deserve more game time. So Shanahan and, and Johnson, who are both good players, it's just um, you know the game just seemed got very fragmented. And uh, and then, yeah, look at when they needed a score near the end, you know they went up and did it. Uh, so uh, look at it, all in all, I think it was impressive, particularly that first forty minutes. 
they they've got some good backs now and, and you know young players coming through from their academy starting to get you know into double digits in terms of uh pro pro game and i think ulster i was worried about him a little bit um pre-lockdown but uh i was impressed with him going to the ospreys who who again are showing signs of improvement so that's a good win and uh, they've dealt with Treviso and now they've got a, a, a another bonus point at home so uh, I'm without some frontline players and haven't cut Sia around for the next six weeks now they, pay, they may not play him every week but him not going to the rugby championship um, is a huge boost for them so they look in, in good health yeah definitely you're just like because Owen on Monday was talking about them being his dark horses and for, for the Pro 14 given that they don't they, you know, to keep that back row intact. So really interesting to see how they develop. And I think this is the point of the podcast, Gav, where you go on an hour-long monologue about Munster, maybe. <laughs> we need to let people get back to their days. So unfortunately, <laughs> it won't be today that I, that I do that. I, I'm, I'm sure I won't need a second invitation. Talk to me about them so, Murray. You, you can kick us off. Like, um, I think, uh, you know, I, 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 I thought it was just fun. I thought it was a really fun Monday night rugby uh, fixture and I really enjoyed watching it I thought Munster were absolutely chaotic uh, but also brilliant at times and I don't know step in the right direction maybe um, maybe it was just a sort of a circumstantial thing we, we won't really know until we see them try it against uh, well against other opposition in more significant fixtures but uh, what were your impressions of it? Well Pro 14 couldn't have got a better first Monday Night Rugby could they? Everyone absolutely loved this and even people who maybe don't generally tune into the Pro 14. I, I got a couple of texts. Even our good mate Andy Dunn texts me and said, I'm watching Pro 14. This is brilliant. <laughs> um, and he really enjoyed seeing <laughs> the offloading. And it was a, gr- it was a great advert for, for that. It, yeah, you're right. It was fun. Like, rugby should be fun. It's, it's sport. It's entertainment as well. And, and I just thought it was a great, it was a great crack out in the pitch. Obviously, low was a bad stuff by Munster. Some terrible tackling. Really allowed Cardiff Blues, who are clinical, to be fair, and, and always have been. They allowed them price score too easily, but to see them offload 17 times is fantastic. And, and obviously the Hanron score was a real highlight. The kind of try that Munster fans have wanted to see. And it was a nice bit of com- combination of that little sh- bit of shape and, and then players making good decisions against a disorganized, fractured defense. So really positive to see. And then, and then on top of that, you had the 14 homegrown players starting. And like we just, it was just underlying again the stuff we talked about. How much that matters. Like the excitement in Jack O'Donoghue and Billy Holland afterwards was palpable. Like they're proud, excited, enthusiastic to be part of a team with so many homegrown monster players. And the reaction as well. Obviously the offloading helped, but I like without those young lads featuring the West Cork lads, fourteen homegrown players. Without that, it wouldn't have been the same level of excitement. You can see how much people buy into it. Uh, and Munster fans, they're right to be excited. There's real good talent coming through. Um, and now they're on this journey. There's loads of improvements they can make from from the first three games. But they've got wins in in kind of belief-lifting circumstances. And, and there's a nice bit of, I don't know, there's a sense that they're on this kind of pathway. The, the, the train is picking up speed. And, and now they've got to just go with it. And, and Johan van Graan's got to go with it. So fingers crossed they, they can shore up some of those weaknesses we've seen. But kind of stick with that that excitement enthusiasm a lot of excitement certainly in west cork about those five lads that featured on monday night and there are a couple more as well waiting in the wings including jack crowley but 
you've been big on John Hodnett, Bernard. Gavin Coombs made most of the headlines in, in the terms of uh, the two tries he scored. He probably should have had a hat-trick at the end. We saw Jack O'Donoghue tried to drape his Man of the Match medal around him uh, after the game as though he had pinched the award off him. But just to touch upon Hodnett, uh, what did you make of his performance and uh, what did you make of Monster generally? Because we haven't heard from you yet. Yeah, I think um, I think Hodnett never fails to impress uh Every opportunity he gets, he looks really dynamic. And uh, and Coombs, Coombs again, we've seen bits of, him and he, he that's probably his his landmark game. To be honest, um, really, really good. And I was talking to some of the Cardiff Blues um, players after, and uh, just on WhatsApp, and they were they were saying, "Who's this kid?" You know, so that's that's a good sign. So um, yeah, look, at it was it was chaotic, but look, at uh, we wanted Munster to. Um, to start to give that young blood those um, opportunities and game time. And the great thing is they, they managed, you know, they won the game uh, comfortably enough in the end um, by doing it. And uh, I think the feel good factor and that energy that's going to be around the Munster camp now um, with that, with, with those, those players performance, plus the fact that they're starting to get game time together as a, as a bunch is, um, is brilliant. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing them de- develop and, you know, in six months' time, Munster could be in a completely different place. With well, Simon won't be back, but you know, with Delande, you know, the quality they already had, and then not saying all of them are going to come through, but if three or four of them become viable starters or or, or impact players off the bench, um, then Munster can start to Munster fans can really be optimistic about where they're going. Just looking ahead to this weekend, then Munster at the Dragons. We'll get quick one-word predictions here. Murray, starting with yourself. Yeah, Munster. I think they're going to keep the momentum rolling. That's 2 o'clock on Sunday. Bernard, Dragons or Munster? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the way the Dragons played the weekend, it's hard to see um, they've been able to handle Munster, who will be very confident. We'll see that as a as a potential, well, a sure win, but maybe potential five-pointer, so Munster. Half four, Connacht hosting Benetton, third versus sixth in Conference B. Bernard, your old club or Benetton? Yeah. I, I watched the Scar. I watched the Scarlets beat Benetton, um, and I saw Benetton in Ulster. Uh, they're struggling at the moment. The last last couple of years, even with the internationals away, their foreign players were able to hold them together. But um, yeah, they don't seem to be in the in the same level of form, and, and it's hard to see anything but a Connacht win. Murray Connacht or Benetton? Yeah, I go for Connacht. Alex Wooden hat trick. Nice. <laughs> Murray, stick with yourself. Uh, Ulster away to the Cardiff Blues. This is on Monday evening, six o'clock. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, Cardiff Blues Very are pretty eager to bounce back. Ah, listen, I go for Ulster. Um, I go for Ulster, yeah. Why not? Bernard? Yeah, I, I, I go for Cardiff here. I think they they are building there. Um, I think that they, they'll get a job done against Ulster. And Leinster away at the Warriors. Bernard. Yeah, Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> Every week it'll be the same appropriately. Murray, shock us. Uh, Dev Toner Hattrick. <laughs> that would shock us, to be fair. Okay, you've had um, some time to rumorate over your previous statement, Murray, that you expect France to win this game this weekend. I don't presume that you've changed your mind in the interim but just give us your concrete prediction uh, and sort of some sort of a, a brief overview as to what you expect to happen yeah basically. so it's coming into this window and even before the six nations earliest year i would have expected Ireland to lose this fixture it is tempting to kind of go and think you know Teddy thomas missing and, and france have had to reshuffle but i'm going to stick with that wider 
perspective sense that France will, will edge it. I think it is going to be a really close test match. Um, and I think if Ireland get that balance right and how they try to go about breaking the French down, if they're really disciplined and, and they can frustrate France into those bad habits around discipline and, and as we said, stifle a bit of DuPont's influence, then they're in with a, with a really good shot. I, I think it will be a, a, a very tight one, but I think France at home um, will just edge it. Bernard? Yeah, unfortunately, I think France will win at 25-20. Gav, you give a more optimistic prediction, please. Le monde est une gouffre, son homme de déprivation et d'espoir, which vaguely translates Murray as bollocks anyway. Uh, gentlemen, thanks very much for your contribution, as always. Bernard, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Emil. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Murray, thank you and enjoy the couch. I wish I was saying something different. To yeah, you. cheers, Gav. Thanks, man, lads. Really enjoy the chat. Thanks everybody at home as well and to all of the 42 members for your questions. If you want to join the good folks in there in the WhatsApp group, it's members.the42.ie. You also get uh, access to a plethora of podcast offerings from our colleagues and loads of other features as well. Just head to members.the42.ie. You can check it out all there. Thank you everybody for listening. Enjoy all of the rugby over the weekend. Super Saturday. Pro 14 Sunday and Monday Night Rugby as well until Monday with Murray and Owen for members and until Thursday with the three of us back again. Mind yourselves, take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming Rugby, rugby, weekly.